Father, we thank you for the good word of God. I am super excited, Lord. I'm not even going to say to hold me back. Lord, just let me go. (laughs) Whatever you want to say, Lord, say it. But as a church, we love you. As a church, we love you. In unity, we love you. And we want to serve you, Lord, with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So, uh, Lord, as we just get our hearts open and our notebooks open or whatever we take notes on, or Lord, we want to grow in Christ. We are here to move from converts to disciples, from the immature to mature, and from people who think like sheep to think to those who think like shepherds. Make it happen, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, my iPad's not ready to go. I'm ready to go, but it's not ready to go. There it is. We've been talking about, uh, Father, show us how to embrace kingdom culture. We want to be a counterculture to what's going on in the world. We don't want to be a subculture that just blends in. The body of Christ should look different than the world. Can I get a witness on that? And we're going to start with us. Nobody else. We're going to start with us that, Lord, we want to be a counterculture. Glenn, good to see you, brother. All the way from California. Anybody else come further than California this morning? (laughs) Glenn and Michelle Murray. Good to see you. Yeah, he did. He was at the men's stakeout. We played nine square. Thank you, Glenn. I pre- <laughs> they put me on that, uh, what do you call that circular chair thing? The vomit trom. I lasted five seconds. That was one of the most horrifying experiences I've ever had. <laughs> but everybody's like, do it, Steve, do it. It's like, see, I was the, I'm the youngest of four boys, so when I was growing up out there in Hera, Oklahoma, as the youngest, here's what they would say, Steve, only you can do this. Put this helmet on and this ski jacket, which is supposed to be like some kind of protection uh, from injury, and then get in this wagon, and we're going to push you down the hill. But don't tell mom, you're the only one that can do this. <laughs> it's true. Hey, so we want to live as a counterculture to what's going on in the world around us. Number one, embrace your true identity in Christ. Man, believe it, receive it, and live it. Embrace the power of the Holy Spirit. Embrace the Lordship of Jesus. He's not just resident, He's president. Let Him make the decisions. Embrace the health and healing of the Father's kingdom. More important than a supernatural, miraculous healing is that you walk in divine health every day of your life. Every principle Jesus taught, every attitude He lived and modeled and demonstrated is life-giving and health-producing for human beings. Okay, stay immersed in the presence of God. Stay dressed in the whole armor of God, not just the helmet. Amen? Don't have the helmet on, I'm going to heaven, and then be stark naked. There's seven pieces you need to have in the whole armor of God. Live as salt and light. And then last week, we uh, camped at live unashamed of the gospel. Here's Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Just want to recap a second here. I'm unashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and for the Greek. To be unashamed literally means we just love and we put Jesus on display without intimidation. We're just not going to be intimidated. We are unashamed of Him. For uh, in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it's written, the just shall live by faith. So I wanted to put this up here for you. Being unashamed of the gospel is not going to brick town with a bullhorn and yelling at everybody and condemning people to hell with picket signs and all that. Amen, somebody. Being unashamed of the gospel is putting the Jesus we know and love on display for all to see how His power and love has transformed our lives. That is what it is to be unashamed of the gospel. Now, that love shows up in... Everything that we do, every aspect. We don't just reveal a message that God loves people here in this room. How many of you know if we have guests among us this morning that they received all kinds of messages before they ever came in and started hearing this message? And if you think that I'm the only one delivering messages to people on Sunday morning, you are way, way wrong. Every one of us are responsible to reveal the message of Jesus Christ to those, not just uh, family Uh, new families from the community who come to want to meet the Jesus we know. But we need to be good to each other. We need to serve each other and love each other well. 
in that regard. So it's not just limited to that, but let me say again, I'm not the only one delivering a message today. Guests decide within the first 11 minutes of, a, of walking into a church whether they'll ever come back again because there's all kinds of messages before the message. We looked at uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 12 through 18 last, last week. It's the model or a tool, if you will, of balanced Christianity. Jesus, in verse 12, goes up with the Father. He spends alone time with the Father. Remember, your private time with Jesus, the, the strength of it, will determine the strength of your public expression of Jesus. And I was talking with a pastor yesterday, and just uh, he said, Steve, we just, over the last, he's been in ministry 40 years, we've just not discipled well. I think we thought that people would, you know, hear the message on Sunday and go live it. And 40 years ago, I think there's probably a fair portion of people that, that did that more so, because 40 years ago, I think we had less distractions, uh, anybody got your phone on you? <laughs> I mean, we're carrying around a distraction. Uh, so, and then you got Little League and all that has exploded. You know, it used to be they would never play on Sunday, never play on Wednesday. You know, it's just, I don't know, unwritten rules, I guess, of the culture. But there's a lot more distractions today. And so we really do need people walking with people. Not just that. You've got to have people that are willing to say, you know, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm, I'm going to be all in and follow Jesus. I'm not going to follow the world. You have to have people that want to make that decision. God's always had a remnant. So if it's just us, so be it. But we're going to do it. We're going to follow Christ and, uh, you know, live the, the disciplined life that we need to. It's not Christianity today in America is not easy street. Remember, I told you Jesus, he was the worst Christmas and Easter speaker there ever was. Because... <laughs> When you had, you had all the crowds, look it out in Scripture. Luke 14 is one. John 6 is another. Scripture says great crowds gathered around. And then he throw out something like, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not living in union with me and I'm inside you and you're in me and all that. Uh, we can't be together. You can't have life. And they'd all walk away. He was a terrible guest speaker when the, when the crowds would come. And then in Luke 14, he said, hey, uh, by the way, the mass, the mass assembles. And he says, if you don't love me more than your own mom, dad, how about your spouse, your children? Well, you can't be my disciple. You can't walk with me. Jesus had the crazy idea that God the Father and his kingdom were worth giving everything for. And so the disciples are like, what are you doing? We've assembled all these crowds of people. Can't you just see it? They're following us. It's going to be amazing. Uh, and then he'd say something and they'd all leave. Why do you speak in parables? Remember they asked him that. He said, so people who aren't looking for God won't find him. That's what he said. That seeing, they won't see. Hearing, they won't hear. Why? Because he believed that the Christian life is an all-in life, that you really give yourself to, to the kingdom. You give yourself to Christ. You follow him. Take up your cross. Can I say come hell or high water? Can I say that? I, I already did, so it's out there. But, you know, Jesus believed the gospel was worth... How about the, the treasure in the field? The pearl of great price. He believed God was worth giving everything for. So when masses of people would gather who really weren't interested in God, maybe they're just there to watch or whatever, he would, he'd go right to the heart. And he'd look for those that really didn't just want to be a convert. They wanted to be a disciple. They wanted to walk with him and talk with him and, you know, study with him. I don't know how I got on that. Uh, Luke six twelve. <laughs> he was up with the Father. Oh, yeah, private and public time. He's up with the Father. Then he came down from his time with the Father on the mountain, and he picked uh, among his disciples. He got all these disciples, but he picked uh, 12 of them to send out. He called them apostles. He'd send them. You can be a disciple and not quite be ready to be sent. It's okay. You're still learning. You're still growing. But he took that in, inward circle, and from among them, he picked some to send out. And then, of course, after that, he goes out with them to the community and puts the love of God on display. Uh, gives the devil a black eye, starts healing. He says he healed everybody. 
Powerful. So that's balance in Jesus. You know, he's up with the Father, he's in with close friends, and then he's out to the community to put God's love on display. And we want to do that as a church family. That's what we were talking about last week, that we don't just come here to get ours. Amen, somebody. We're not, we're not just here to meet with God. We're not just here to see the people we love and our good friends and spiritual family. We're here to serve people in our community that are looking for Jesus. Culturally, this is a great opportunity because a lot of people feel at least somewhat safe visiting a church. You know, they'll probably come here before they might come to your house. I don't know. I mean, maybe not. But at least we got to see it as an opportunity. We don't just come here to meet with God. We don't just come here to meet with each other. We come here to serve and give and be the message that we're unashamed of the gospel. It has transformed our lives. So here's the three essential ingredients we looked at. Um, whatever, whatever environment exists in this church, uh, out in the volleyball court, the playground, the entrances to the foyer, to students of grace, kids of grace, you know, people dropping their children off, uh, into kids of grace, all the four sections of that. We can ask ourselves, are these environments, number one, engaging? First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding, go above and beyond. In the work of the Lord. That's what that word means. Go above and beyond in the work of the Lord, knowing your labor is not in vain. And then Romans twelve ten, love one another warmly as Christians <laughs> and be eager to show respect for each other. Outdo each other. Are we engaging to our church family? Are we engaging to guests? Or do we just say, hey, you're in my seat. There's a spot over there. <laughs> Number two, are we in those environments excellent? Romans sixteen nineteen. I'm glad on your behalf. I want you to be excellent at what is good and innocent of evil. It needs to be excellent. And then number three, I like this one. Is it authentic? Are we in those environments authentic? Romans 12, 9. Don't just pretend that you love your community. Don't just pretend you love guests. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Stand on the side of good. Did you know it's evangelistic if we love each other well? If we don't fake loving each other, but we genuinely care about one another, it's evangelistic according to John 17. Jesus said, then the world will know. When they see unity like that, they see love like that, the world will know that God sent me here and that you guys are different as my followers. So we want to be authentic. Don't just pretend, really love them. And again, you may say, hey, I'm just, you know, I just... Uh, regular attender here what do you want me to do go say hello to a new family yep (laughs) that's exactly right and i want you to do it in great authenticity i don't have to be or the staff doesn't have to be the only one saying do you have any questions is there anything i can help you with we're all the messengers amen we're all everybody say we're all the messengers Now, some of you may say, you know, Steve, if I don't feel the love, I'm not going to do it because then I'd be faking it. (laughs) James 4.17. Sometimes Don Wheeler called this natural obedience. I like that term. Sometimes you do it because it's the right thing to do and because the Christ in you is doing it. You may not feel it in your soulish man. I'm not feeling the love. You don't always feel love for your spouse, amen, but you need to love them. So James 4, 17 says, to him who knows to do good and doesn't do it, it is is sin. It is unbelief. Romans 14, 23, anything not from faith is sin. So unbelief is sin. So the opposite of that then is faith. So if you do it, even though you're not feeling it, you're operating in faith. Faith works through love, Galatians 5, 6. And so we're, gonna, we're going to love people authentically. All right, let's go to the next one. Be anchored in truth. Everybody say, be anchored. How about this? Say, anchor me, Lord, in truth. We need this in the worst way in this country today. Boy, man, your children, make sure, make sure you're paying attention to what's being piped to your children. Uh, their websites and things like that that they're they're watching and glued to. Amen, somebody? 
John 8, 31 and 32. I'll just quote these to you. Uh, he said, if you abide in my word, you're truly my disciples. So the word, word there, who knows what it is? It's logos. Uh-huh, it's logos. So John, John 1, 1, in the beginning was the word, is logos. So it's Christ. If you abide in my word, in other words, he's saying John 15 all over again. If you'll abide in me, uh, you'll truly be my disciples. What I love about God, did you notice that when he came, God loves you. Can I, can we agree on that? When he came, he didn't come as a book. Why didn't he come and just show himself to you in a book? Maybe a text message. It's boring. How about this? It's impersonal. How do you be intimate with a book or a text message? You don't. He came as a human being and not as a book because you're not a book. Now that is incredible love that he came and put on one of these so he could show himself to you. What's incredible is Jesus comes and says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the way to live, the truth about who you are, the life that's to be expressed in your mortal body. If he tells Laura, Laura, I sent you this book. (laughs) I sent you a letter. And I want you to love your neighbor. Well, if she doesn't see God's kind of love in human form... All she can draw upon is either her best or worst experiences of love and whatever then she's showing to her neighbor won't be godly love. So instead, uh, he did say, love your neighbor. And then, how about this? He even said, I've loved you with an everlasting love. And we're like, okay, what, what does this love look like? Jesus comes, puts on an earth suit, picks up a cross, walks up Golgotha and dies for all of our sin, now we know what love is. You see, you can't get that from a book. You can only get that from a person. And that is the love of God. So if you abide in Him, and and hey, here's the thing about Scripture. Thank God for Scripture. What a tool, what a asset that we have to get to know the Lord. But he's the one who teaches us, amen? Because people just can take phrases out of that book and hurt people. We've seen it. So you've got to have the author, the Spirit-breathed one, teaching you. But then he said, if you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples indeed. And what's the byproduct? You'll know the truth and truth will set you free. We've got to be anchored in truth today. There's so much deception. And if you think the war is good versus evil in this country, you're wrong. It's what man says is good and true and reliable versus what God says is good and true and reliable. That's the war. Third John chapter one, verse four. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in truth. Father, help us. Help us to see we must be anchored in truth. Now, if you want to just look like the world, then you don't have to be. But I'm telling you, if you'll get anchored in truth, you'll walk and talk with him. You'll, you'll be with him on a daily basis. You're going to look different. Your home environment will look different. Thank you, Holly. John chapter 16, verse 13. I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes, He will guide you into all truth. You better know the Holy Ghost. You can't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. And expect to to be growing in truth. He's the one guiding you into all truth. This is a must. And let let me throw this at you. Jesus is the pattern son. We agree he's the way, the truth, and the life. Man, he's the pattern son. Well, what was the first thing he did in the model, the tool of balanced Christianity in Luke 6, 12? He was up with the Father. Intimacy with God is first. Ministry instead of intimacy is idolatry. Ministry and you getting your identity from whatever it is you're doing and trying to produce instead of getting your value and esteem from Him is idolatry. You can't love the fruit more than the one who's producing it. Oh man, I said a lot right there. Thank you, Jesus. Jesus shows us the key to a healthy out to the masses begins with a healthy in. With the Father, spending time with the Father, getting His heart, and then choosing 
Those 12, the uh, close circle he's walking with, comes out of a strong inn. I said this earlier. I'm going to put it up there for you. The stronger your private time with Jesus, the stronger your public expression of Jesus. We could say this over and over and over again. The stronger your private time with Jesus, the stronger your public expression of Jesus. That's why we teach you. We want to help you. We want to lead you and feed you in regard to private times with Jesus. Sundays aren't enough. This should not be the only day you're hearing the voice of the Lord and being stirred in your spirit. You know, and your faith being built by the Word of God. Amen? And the more that you're feeding all week long, the more you'll come on a Sunday and be prepared to give. You won't be coming in just to get yours. You're going to be here, hey, I'm here to put Jesus on display. There's a new, there's a new guest. Let me go introduce myself. Amen. Thank you, Cindy. I like encouragement. Don't we all? John 8, 31. We'll go back to that. If you abide in me, uh, abide in my word, you're my disciples. We spend a lot of time then with Jesus. We're going to spend time in the Word. We're going to spend time in truth. It's hard to be anchored in the truth if you're not spending time in the truth. We're going to spend time walking in truth. And we're going to spend time with the Holy Spirit who guides us into all truth. Time, time, time. What's the uh, enemy of time? Distraction. So the pastor I was talking with yesterday who said, Man, but in this 40 years we just didn't disciple well. There, there came along this distraction after distraction after distraction and people spent less and less time in the Word. They spent less and less time with the Lord, less and less time with the Holy Spirit and more time doing other things. So time is a key. Time is a key to your relationship with the Lord. Matthew 6, verse 5 through 8. This is the Message Bible. Jesus said, when you come before God and you're doing your uptime, <laughs> don't, don't turn it into a theatrical production. All these people making a regular show out of their prayers, hoping for stardom. Do you think God sits in a box seat like He's just there to be entertained? Here's what I want you to do. Find a quiet, secluded place so you won't be tempted to role play. Just be there as simply and honestly as you can. The focus will shift from you to God. Amen. Prayer is not about you. Your focus is not you. It's God. And you begin to sense His grace. The world, this is Jesus speaking. The world is full of so-called prayer warriors who are prayer ignorant. They're full of formulas and programs and advice. And they peddle their techniques for getting what you want from God. Don't fall for that nonsense. That's a waste of your time. This is your father you're dealing with. He knows better than you what you need. He knows even before you ask what you have need of. Tell me why then in America need-based prayer is king. Why would need-based prayer be all the time we spend in prayer or 90% of the time? Because we've not understood this. Your father knows what you have need of. You're one spirit with Jesus Christ, folks. You really don't lack anything. Psalm 23 verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. We read it earlier. And you lack nothing. That's why you're able to give and, and love and serve out of the divine nature that's in you. You don't need other people to perform for you so you can have a happy day. <laughs> oh, God, I come to you this morning praying that Bill and Johnny and everybody at the office, they'll say nice things about me so I can have a good day. You're just dead. You don't need other people to perform for you to express the life of Jesus. Amen. John thirteen thirty four. a new command I give you is no longer love your neighbor as you love yourself because some of you don't love yourselves and that's your excuse for not loving anybody else. So what I want you to do is love others like I love you. I'll be the vine. I'll be the source. Matthew 5, anybody can give love to people who give you love to love them with. Jesus said that. Sermon on the Mount. But I want you to do good to people who persecute you and bless people who curse you and pray for people who despitefully use you. They're just spiteful against you. Just pray for them. The, remember the immature. We don't fight with people. We fight for people. 
And we don't walk away feeling sorry for us. If they're being that ugly, feel sorry for them. Sin will always be, ever shall be, the parent of misery. And the most miserable people on this planet are the self-centered people. That's why America is the most medicated country on the planet. And I'm not, I'm not dissing medication, okay? But I'm saying I think there's over-medication because so many people are depressed because they've been taught to think of themselves all the time. Maturity is God-centered and others-minded. If you sow goodwill, your will is good. If you water others, you get watered in the process. If you sow healing, you get healed. Amen. If you ever get confused, just look at Jesus. He's the patterned son. He was not a taker. He was not self-absorbed. Whatever looks good on him looks good on you, right? You're, you're made in the image of God who said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So love is healthy for you. Loving your enemies is healthy for you. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all healthy. Bitterness, no. Resentment, no. Unforgiveness, hatred, evil, no. Hebrews twelve fifteen says that the root of bitterness, be on guard. The root of bitterness has grown up inside of many and uh, defiled them. It doesn't say it blessed them. It literally means it stained their soul. Why? Because we're not made for bitterness. How about this one? Matthew ten twenty seven. Whatever I tell you in the dark, Jesus said, speak in the light. And what you hear in secret or in your ear, preach on the housetops. Well, the key to being able to shout something from the housetop is that you were quiet and he was whispering in your ear and you heard him. I'll tell you this, he's whispering all the time. He's talking all the time. You just got to turn your receivers on. What's the enemy of turning your receivers on? Distraction. Did I mention phones yet? <laughs> we got phones, we got iPads, we got television. You know, 40 years ago, there were three channels. Now we've got 600 and what? Let's see. I don't even know. Maybe a thousand. Oh, is there thousands? Okay. My bad. <laughs> I was going to say 666. <laughs> ah, but that wouldn't be true. I made that up. Thousands of channels. There's lots of ways to be distracted. But he's calling you to the secret place. He's calling you to sit with the Father. Because the strength of your private time with Jesus will be the strength of your public expression of Jesus. And if the world, if America, if Oklahomans aren't seeing Jesus, we'll just say in our towns, well, you want to be stronger expressing Him, go, go spend time with Him in private. Amen, somebody. All right, now everything I'm about to share with you is worth the price of admission. <laughs> people are like did we pay to get in here no alright let me find it that's not it there it is we're talking about getting anchored in truth we're talking about spending time you must invest time whatever you love will grow if you love your plants they'll grow if you love your crops, they'll grow. If you love your marriage relationship, if you love it, it will grow. Does that make sense to you? So if you love your relationship with Christ, it will grow. You invest in it. You put time in it. But this is a million-dollar question. Because at Grace Church, we care very much that people's relationship with Jesus is growing. We do not care about religion. We care about their relationship with the living Christ. So what is actually growing? Number one, your John 17, 3, knowing of Him is growing. That word, know, everybody know John 17, 3? This is eternal life. Jesus said that they know you, Father God, the one only true God, and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. The word there is gnosko. So it's an intimate knowing. It's a union term. The reference in Bible Hub is... Mary asked the uh, the angel when he came and said she would she'd be pregnant. Uh, she said, "How can this be? Since I don't know a man." So it's a marriage term. 
Even Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, it's all about husbands and wives and this and that. And then verse 33 says it's a great mystery, but I'm really talking about Christ and the church and that union. So what's growing is your knowing of Him. Your gnosko of Him is growing. It's not just knowledge of God. Your knowledge of God is growing. And the beautiful part of that is it's His view of who He is is being imparted to you. But you got to be open to know it and, and see it and spend time receiving it. Does, does that make sense? I mean, he, he may p- download it while you're asleep, but typically that doesn't happen. Typically you make a choice. And you say, Father, I love you. I want this relationship to grow. The beautiful part is you're getting his revelation of himself. That's what gnosko is. It's a knowing. You're not just growing in knowledge of God. You're actually growing in your relationship with him as he shows you who he is. So you're getting God's view of himself and then you're getting God's view of you. And it starts killing all your stinking thinking. My goodness. I was ministering to a young lady yesterday and said, God's voice is the most important voice in your life. Truest thing about you is what he says about you. She's like, yeah. The second most important voice is yours. And you have to quit condemning and accusing yourself and beating yourself up in court and she fell into a puddle because we're our own worst enemy half the time and what what grows when somebody's relationship with God is growing is not just their understanding of who he is they start seeing how he sees them and it warms their heart it endears them to him amen Dion I mean it's like oh thank you Lord because I live with me and I don't see myself that way And I told that girl, I said, the most humble thing you can do is agree with who he says you are. It is humility, not pride. Only pride would say, well, God, you know a lot about me. You numbered the hairs of my head. You formed me in my mother's womb before I even uh, birthed. But I'm sorry, I know more about me than you. That's arrogance. You've got to humble yourself. And what you're hearing in the secret place, what he's showing you about who you are by the Spirit, you've got to dare to believe it. And the more you believe it, the more you fall in love with Him. This is your spirit discerned knowing of who He is and who you are is growing. This is number one. Your gnosko is growing. It's not just knowledge, it's knowing. In the book of John, Jesus said, when the Holy Spirit comes, the world can't receive Him because they don't see Him or know Him, but you'll know Him. You'll know Him. This is not just knowledge. This is knowing. And you need to be growing in your knowing. This happens through time in Scripture, time with the Holy Spirit, and then walking it out with Him. Walking it out. Sometimes you'll get it right. Sometimes you won't. But He'll be with you. Aren't you glad? When Adam and Eve did their big piece of stupid, the Holy Spirit left them. You have an imperishable, incorruptible seed. He will not leave you. The Spirit won't leave you. He'll go, Cindy, that's not who we are. That's not the life I fashioned you for. Isn't that awesome? You have better, you have better than what Adam and Eve had in a perfect world. What was our problem again? He won't leave you. He will coach you. He'll say, hey, we misstepped there. We misstepped. Let's, let's back it up. So walk it out with Him. Do what He asks you to do. Try and hear. Uh, you know, hear and obey as best you can. If you, if you don't, there's godly counsel. There's the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's a journey, guys. Give yourself some grace. <laughs> it is a big deal. And He reminded me, Larry, of... Remember, how many of you have children? Raise your hand if you have children. Remember when little Johnny, he was like one, and he was just learning to walk. You remember? And you're getting so excited, and, and you put him over there, and you're here, and you're like, come on, Johnny. He's learning to walk. And remember when he took two steps and fell smooth over? And you're like, that's it. This one's broken. And you picked him up, and you tossed him outside, and said... What? Because this child is defective. (laughs) 
No, you ran over there. Way to go, Johnny! Two steps. Tomorrow will be two and a half. And I'll cheer you all the way to the finish line. That's God the Father. That's how He is with you. Step out, man. Trust Him. Of course, so all this goes with what I'm sharing, is where we're growing at. We're growing in our knowing of Him that He loves us. He's committed to us. All right, number two. Your time spent being aware of and living in the reality of your union, your connection with Him is growing. Notice I put your time spent in awareness is growing. Does He abide in you at all times and your spirit abide in Him at all times? Yeah, it's true. It's, there's a couple of scriptures that verify that. But in John 15, He says it's a, it's a choice. For you to abide. So your soulish man, the rest of you, your mind, your choosing mechanism, he can be inside you and you not even be aware that he's there. But look what starts growing in your relationship with Christ. Your awareness of him starts growing. This is abiding according to John eight thirty one and John 15, 4 and 5. Abiding means live with me, remain with me. Where's Annie? Annie, God is a with God, right? Abiding means live with me, remain with me. Emmanuel is God is. God is a with God. What is the definition of death in Scripture? It's separate from God, separation. But He's a with God. So He sent Christ so you could be with Him. And what needs to be growing in your relationship as your relationship is growing is your awareness that He's with you. You quit going to work thinking it's just you and best of luck. You, get, you, you actually go to work and you go to school and you realize He is with me. I am living the reality of my union with Him. Do we have born-again Christians who are in union with Christ in their spirit, but they pay no attention to Him? Yes, we do. That's, that's how we've landed in the state that we've landed. So we're growing in our awareness of our union. Your spirit is one spirit with Jesus Christ. He is always with you and in you. And he wants to be the expression coming out of you. Help me, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Number three, your knowledge of the Holy Spirit and the realm of the Spirit is growing. The realm of the Spirit. You, you start realizing, hey, there's a whole other dimension here. I, I'm not living and dying with the stock market. I'm not living and dying with the economy and the national debt. I'm not living and dying by what Jim said about me. My mother-in-law said about me. All that comes from the natural realm. As your relationship with Him, your gnosko is growing, your union with Him, the awareness is growing, you start becoming more and more aware of the Holy Spirit, His role in your life, agent of new birth, agent of empowerment, teacher, comforter, all those things. There's about 10 different roles he has. And then the realm of the Spirit. Romans 8, 14. As many as are led by their feelings, these are the sons of God. No, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the the sons of God. And if you Bible hub it, it's mature sons and daughters of the Most High God. The mature ones live and walk by the Spirit. Man, thank God we're not just relegated to be run smooth over by whatever's happening in the natural. Do you realize He's already overcome the world? John 16, 33. In the natural world, you have tribulation and trial. Be of good cheer. I've over, already overcome the world. He's already overcome the world. Now His focus is you. Teaching you to walk out his life and his expression. To learn about the things of the Spirit. Well, I, I just, I'm sorry. I, I get so excited about this one. Because I'm growing in my awareness that the natural's not all there is. Mature in Christ, we don't deny the natural. We just deny that's all there is. And if Jim says, I'm sick as a dog, man, would you come pray for me? I don't deny that Jim is sick. I just deny that that's all there is and that's the final result. So because I understand that, I don't just leave Jim subject to the natural. I pray with him. I fight for his freedom because I'm aware of the realm of the Spirit. My goodness. Wow. 
Your faith and trust in Him is growing. Why? Because to know Him is to trust Him. As He's revealing Himself to you, you're spending time with Him, you're becoming more aware of who He is through Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through walking it out, through obedience, through listening, all that as it's happening, your faith and trust is growing. Faith is a relational pillar. Fear is a relational killer. It's right there. Faith is a relational pillar. Fear is a relational killer. Those of you that have human relationships, faith and trust a good thing? When faith and trust is gone and all there is is fear and insecurity, how's that go? So the more you mature in your relationship with Christ, what's growing? You're moving away from fear. You're living away from dread. You're moving away from whatever television and cable news pipes at you. Fear, worry, and anxiety. You're moving away from those things towards faith and trust. The next one, your love for Him is growing. 1 John 4, 20. We love because He first loved us. You sit with love long enough, you see your life transformed. I find it so interesting. Uh, the pastor I was visiting with yesterday was telling me about an experience that his dad had that uh, many years ago he died, left his body, you know, was looking down on the table. He's there, the doctor's there, all the nurses are there. And he went to heaven, spent some time with the Lord and just how different he was when he came back. He had a different perspective. And uh, one of the angels had told him, let me sum up life on earth for you. Did you learn to love? Did you learn to love? Because God is love. You spend enough time with love, it'll, it'll change you. It'll change your perspective. But that's why we've got to get out of a works performance-based mindset that he's only going to love you if. He's only going to love you as long as. I've been there. Where I thought, well, I know God loves me. I, I hear it all the time. But my translation of it was, Steve, I love you as long as you're lovable. So we love because he first loved us. And our love for him now is growing. And that translates to this. Your expression of him is growing. When people see, see you, they start seeing him. Why? Because you become like who you hang out with. What's a key, though? Time. You spend time and you grow in your awareness that He's with you and in you. Galatians 5, 6, faith finds its expression through love. Love starts showing up in your life, just like I was alluding to prior. You can't call it faith if you don't have an ounce of love in your heart. Matthew 5, 13 through 16, you're salt and light. Galatians 2, 20, it's no longer I that live now. I'm becoming His expression. I'm becoming the current body of Christ. See, if the first body of Christ in the carpenter's suit walked around, loved people well, gave his life for his enemies, what should the current body of Christ look like? Because the same spirit that was in him, the carpenter, the Christ part of him, is inside of you. So we're growing to this point where it's no longer I that live, it's Christ that lives in me. Christ lives as me. Christ lives now through me. And I'm becoming his expression. This is the gospel. This is why He came. He only went to the cross so He could move inside of you and be Himself through you. Be the expression of the Father. Fill the earth with His glory. Galatians 4.19 says that, that uh, Paul travailed until Christ be formed in you. I believe it's Galatians chapter 1 where he said, Paul said he had been set apart by God Himself that it pleased the Father to reveal His Son in me. He didn't say to me. Did you see it, Holly? He didn't say it pleased the Father to reveal His Son to me. That's part of it. But it pleased Him to reveal His Son in me. That's the gospel. That's what this war is over. So that's why the enemy wants you looking at him. Looking at all the distractions because you're a derivative being. Whoever you're hanging out with, whatever sourcing you most of the time, that's what you express. Have I mentioned... The strength of your private time with Jesus will reveal that the strength is the key to your strength of your public expression of Jesus. 
Super important. Okay, last one. Your availability to help others is growing. Your availability to help somebody else. What we say? Maturity is God-centered and others-minded. I'm going to read this to you out of Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Listen to this, verse 3. Do nothing through selfishness. Do nothing through selfishness or vain conceit, but with all humility of mind, esteem others as more important than yourself. This reminds me of Romans 15, verse 1 through 3. We've been in the last few weeks. Remember the mature, as the mature, we help the immature. We help them. We don't curse them. We help them. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Did you see how he said, let nothing be done through selfishness. Let each of you look out for the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. That means you have a choice. It's your choice. But we want to grow. And when our relationship with him is growing, our intimacy, our gnosko relationship is growing, then our availability to help others is growing. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be reached for. But he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant, coming in the likeness of men, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, He became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Uh, Musicians, you guys can come. Not sure who's Matt, maybe, who I'm supposed to call. But uh, how about that, huh? (laughs) Philippians chapter 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who humbled himself, gave his life away, was obedient to the Father to the point of dying on the cross. So as we mature, our availability to lay our life down for other people grows. Because it's not just about us anymore. Everything he's gotten to us, now he's working to get through us. And he multiplies his life. We've got to be anchored in truth. Everything I shared with you today is about uh, encouraging you in your time with the Lord, practicing your awareness that He's with you all day, every day. This is a key to the resurgence of the body of Christ in this country is we've got to go back to Him, back to the basics, back to intimacy. Now I want to encourage you with this. I want you at least to write down one thing today that you say, Lord, I want this to be flesh in me. Out of everything I heard. Because if you walk out of here and not one of this, not one thing that the Lord shared and brought forth today becomes flesh in you, then what was the point? So write down, maybe put it in your phone, whatever. Let's stand together. Lord, what is one thing that Brother Steve brought forth about growth in relationship that that really needs to become flesh in me. So let's just bow our head, take a moment, let you ponder that. Lord, what is one thing that can really become flesh, that we can begin to work this out and walk this out together? Is it your availability? Is it your awareness? Is it your faith and trust in Him that He's good? Maybe it's your love for him. Father, I thank you this morning for the good word of God. And it's so good to be washed with the water of the word, Lord, to be reminded of who we really are. And whose we really are. And Lord, that it is a, it's a journey. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. And thank you that when we stumble, when we miss the mark, you don't discard us. You don't call us, uh, what's the word? 
dysfunctional. But Lord, you walk with us, you talk with us. I want to ask this morning, if you're here, you've never invited Jesus into your heart. I'm talking about being born of the Spirit, where you welcome the life, spirit, and presence of Jesus Christ into your heart to be king and to be president of your life. If you've never done that, and you'd say, Brother Steve, I just feel the Holy Spirit speaking to me today. I would just slip your hand up and say, pray for me. I want to be born again. Anyone, I want to know Christ. Anyone. Father, I bless your church. I bless your people this morning. I thank you, Lord, for what you're stirring within us. And that, Lord, with any word comes the grace to walk it out. So I just thank you for great grace upon each and every one, those worshiping online with us, those that are present here today. Lord, we want to be your expression. We want a purpose to invest the time to really get to know you and live in awareness of your constant companionship. We love you. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, if you have any questions, stick around. Otherwise, be good to each other. Give some love away. Be overly friendly. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community